Turn to our Bibles, if you haven't already turned there, to Luke chapter 12, and I want us to pick up and begin reading at verse 35. Luke 12, verse 35, down through verse 48. It's not obviously the beginning of the chapter, nor the end. We'll piece it in and put, place it in its setting a little bit later. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he'll return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them set down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not <clears throat> expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of the food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all he has. But if that servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on that day when he is not looking for him at an hour when he is not aware. And he will cut him in two and appoint to him the portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did, who did not know yet committed those deserving of stripes, those thing, committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. Everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to him, uh, to whom much is committed of him, they will require, ask more. In this setting, the point seems to be summarized at verse 40. And verse 40 says that what the text is trying to drive home to us is the idea of being prepared or being ready for the coming of the Lord. Look at verse 40 again. Therefore, here's the conclusion. Here's what I'm trying to say. Here's the point I want you to see. Therefore, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. That's the point of this entire setting. But in order to accomplish that, the master uses a collection of imperatives and parables and warnings to urge the disciples to be ready. He doesn't just say, therefore be ready, but he uses a number of illustrations. Peter referred to them as parables. He gives warnings of what would happen, and therefore you need to be ready. Let's back up and get a broader view of chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 deals with stewardship. And one writer, not original with me, obviously, but one writer suggests that the, the 
chapter is divided into three sections that deal with stewardship. He talks about stewardship of the gospel, verses 1 to 12. Stewardship of our possessions, 13 to 34. We'll come back to that later. And stewardship of our time. That's the section I'm interested in. Stewardship of our time. Making preparation and being ready. In this context, there is a contrast, and if you're so disposed to mark, you might get your pencil out and underline a couple of phrases here. There is a contrast between watching and not looking. Look with me at verse 37, and you might underline, Blessed are the servant whom the master, when he comes, will find, here's our word, watching. And so all through this context, Jesus is giving emphasis to being a watcher and watching, he said. But now drop down to verse 46. In contrast to that, here is a servant who is not looking for him. There is a contrast between watching and not looking. If you're not looking, you're not, uh, if you're not looking over here, you're not watching. If you're watching, then you're not over here not looking. There's a difference in the two. And several illustrations are driven to drive that point home. Now what does it mean to watch? So when I come to verse 37, the master servant is watching for his return. What does that mean? Well, the word watch simply means to be alert, to be ready, to not be caught by surprise. And all through this context, that fits. So if the servant is watching for his master, that means he's alert about his master, he's ready for his master to come, and he will not be caught by surprise when his master comes back. Bedak says it means to be awake in a constant state of readiness. So one who is watching, he's in a constant state of readiness. It wasn't that he was ready, but he no longer is. He's not watching anymore. It's not that he, he's ready sometimes, and now he's not ready, and then he'll be ready again, and then he's not ready, and then he's ready, and then he's not ready. But he's in a constant state of readiness if he is watching. It's the same way that we would want to be found if we knew that he was a certain time of the second coming. Suppose I could convince you, which I obviously could not, but if I could convince you, we know for sure the Lord is returning at 3 p.m. today. Would that be make any difference of what you would be doing for the rest of the day? It would me. There's a lot of things that wouldn't matter anymore. But there's also some things that I want to make sure everything is prepared and we're ready because now it's at 2.45 and now 2.50 and 2.55 and we're almost time for the second coming and I want to be ready. I want to be watching. It's that same concept. If I knew for sure when the Lord was coming. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about are you watching or not looking? What is your attitude toward the second coming of the Lord? What's your attitude toward the end of time, toward the judgment day to come? Are you watching? Now, watching doesn't give the idea that you're standing out looking into the heavens and saying, I'm looking for him, I hope to get a glimpse when I see the Lord returning. But are you watching in the sense of this text? Or could it be that we're not looking? As per verse 46 here in this context. Three things we want to talk about. Here's the first. Let's talk about the contrast in Luke 12. Keep your Bible open here. Put a marker there. We're going to be going back and again and again all the way through our study today for, to Luke chapter 12. 
But I want us to look at the contrast in Luke 12. But we've got some work to do before we get to the contrast by looking at some things in Luke 12. So let's start. Let's talk about the structure of the text. Now we read the text, that is verses 35 to 48. But what do I mean by the structure? How, how does this, this divide out? How does this section unfold? What, what is he saying? Is it all one section or is he making two different points? Well, let's get this picture. First of all, verses 35 to 40 is saying one thing, and then verses 41 to 48, while emphasizing the same point, shifts gears a little bit. How do I know? Because Jesus had just said the things of verses 31 to, uh, 35 to 40, and then Peter raises a question. Is this parable? He's the one who called it a parable. Is it, is it to, to your disciples or is it to all people? What, who are you talking about? Who are you talking to? And then Jesus launches in to another illustration or par parable if you prefer to call it that, of something else. So what has he just done? Well, 35 to 40, he gives illustrations of readiness. He gives a number of those. We're going to list them in a minute. That you need to be ready, and here's some examples of being ready. Here's this example, here's this example, here's this illustration, here's this other illustration of being ready, and then his conclusion is at verse 40, therefore you need to be ready for the coming of the Son of Man because you don't know when that will be. Peter then raises a question. And then the Lord feels like he needs then to launch into a discussion of a faithful steward versus an unwise steward. He talks about one steward being faithful and wise, and the other is obviously unwise and unfaithful. And here's what happens to the faithful, and here's what happens to the unwise. And that's our section of verses 35 to 48. So I know the structure of the text. Let's talk about the point of the text. We've already emphasized this, but let's go back to verse 40. You might circle or underline or put a star by verse 40. If you want to understand what is Jesus trying to say in verses 35 to 48, what's the point? The point is found in verse 40, and that is to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect. That's the point. Not just being aware the Lord is coming but being completely ready for it to happen. You see, you might ask someone who is supposed to be a Christian, a child of God, who has some knowledge of the Scripture, you say to them, are you aware the Lord is coming again? Sure, I know. I know all about that. I can tell you all those passages. Okay, when I'm asking, are you aware, are you aware that He could come any time? Oh yeah, I know all of that. I know we don't know the day nor the hour and He can come any time. I got all of that. But there's a far cry from that concept and being fully and completely ready for him to return. So let's get the point of the text. Now then, knowing the point and the structure, let's look at the illustrations. Let's begin to unfold the text now, beginning at verse 35. The point is to be ready. Completely ready for his coming. And he starts with this at verse 35. Do you have your Bible open? Let your waist be girded. His first illustration is that of the waist being girded. Now that's a little strange language for us today. You probably haven't had someone tell you or your parents remind you as you go out the door, make sure your waist is girded. That probably hasn't happened. But it refers to the idea of a long flowing garment that they would wear. And maybe in the case of a soldier, we see this in Ephesians chapter 6. 
that he would gird his garment. He would gather it up and with a girdle or belt as we would think of it, gather his garment up. Or in some occasions, take the long flowing garment and, and wrap it through their legs and tie it off. So now they have freedom to move. And it is a picture of a state of readiness in the long flowing garment. He's not ready to run out into battle if it's a soldier. Or maybe he's not ready to move through the marketplace and do whatever he needs to do in these activities. Or in this case, a servant to get up and do the things he needs to do for his master. So the idea of having his waist girded, the English standard says, stay dressed for action. In other words, it may be if, if you were left to do a job and, you, and, and your, your boss is coming back and said, I want you to be ready at a moment's notice when I call you, jump in the car and you come. Sitting back on the couch in your bathrobe and in your house shoes and you haven't even showered, you haven't even got ready and you say, I'm ready. No, you're not ready because you're not dressed for action when they call. So here's the picture of being dressed and ready for action. Not literally dressed, but be girded as if you're ready to take off running at a moment's notice. That's one illustration. Here's the second. Look at verse 35 again. And your lamps burning. What does that have to do with well, lamps were for illumination. If, if he comes in the second or the third watch of the night, as we mentioned later, if the master comes back, as per the illustration later, and you have to walk out into the streets without street lights, as we would have, or illumination from the house, you would have need for the lamp. So that's your illumination. That's your, the means of seeing your path. Make sure your lamps are prepared and maintained and burning, like the case of those foolish and wise virgins in Matthew chapter 25. It has to do with preparation. Make sure your lamps are burning. Make sure you have oil. Make sure you have the wicks trim. Make sure they're burning and ready so that when you're ready to take off for duty, you have your lamps burning. There's a third illustration he gives. The case of waiting for the master return from the wedding. So let's get verses 35. Now let me, let me talk about the custom first and then when we read, it'll make more sense to us. In our Western setting, if someone says we're having a wedding and they give you a date, we pretty much know what's going to take place. You're going to go and have the ceremony. That very same day, they're going to have a celebration, the reception. And it may last an hour, two hours, three hours, and it's all over that same day. And the wedding couple go off on their honeymoon trip and we all go back to our houses. Not so with the Jews. It was much, many times a week or longer series of festivities where the bridegroom would go to the bride's house but then after he is engaged in the marriage he brings her back to his house where guests are waiting for a celebration that may go on for a week or longer and they will wait with great anticipation of his coming back they're not sure if he's coming back today or maybe the next day or they're not sure if it's in the second watch of the night or the third watch they're not sure when he's coming so let's read verses 36 to 38 in that context. And you yourselves be like men who wait. You might underline the word wait. We're coming back to that later. For their master, when he will return from the wedding. That is, he's coming back from her house and he's ready for the celebration. That when he comes and knocks, you may open him immediately. In other words, they're not going to be sleeping over in the bed and I think he's coming. Let's, let's, let's all get ready and we can answer the door and tell him to come on in. But we're not ready for the festivities. We haven't got the food prepared. We don't have the guests prepared. Uh, everybody's not here. No, you want to be immediately ready to rush to the door. Verse 37. 
Verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. They're not asleep, but they're watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and he'll make them sit down and he will serve them. That's an odd situation of the master serving the servant. Showing how blessed they are. That's the point. Verse 38, and if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch, he may come somewhere late where you're maybe not expecting him between nine and midnight or between midnight and three. So it doesn't matter what time he comes. You don't know if he's going to show up at 9 o'clock or it may be at 3 o'clock in the morning. But whatever time he comes, you're still awake and you're watching and you're alert. So the end of verse 38, when he so finds them, blessed are those servants. That's his third illustration of being ready. Waist girded, lamps burning, waiting for the master to return from the wedding. Here's a fourth illustration he gives. This not immediately associated with the previous one, but another illustration. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Was he aware that his house could be a potential target? Surely he did. Did he recognize thieves often break into houses? Surely he knew that. But what he didn't know is that tonight the thief is breaking into my house. If he'd have known that, he would have watched. He'd have been attuned. That this could happen tonight and he would have prevented that from happening. He wasn't ready for that. Well, we're not through with the illustrations. Notice beginning at verse 42 after Peter raises a question now. The Lord made the point. He said, here's what I'm saying from these four illustrations here. Is I want you to know you need to be ready for the second coming of the Lord. I want you to know that. And Peter said, are you talking to us? Only or are you talking to other people too? Who, who are you talking about? The Lord goes with another illustration, beginning at verse 42. The faithful versus the unwise steward. So let's go back through that. Beginning, We won't read all the verses, but look at verse 42. Who then is the faithful and wise steward? Well, who is the faithful and wise steward? Well, it's the one who, when his master comes, finds him so doing when he comes. In other words, he's faithfully executing his task when he comes back. I left you to do a job. I come back and you didn't know when I was coming back. And when I suddenly come back, you're working just like I told you to. Faithful and wise. You're going to be blessed. But, 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 but. Look at verse 46. Verse 45, rather. When the master delays his coming, and he hadn't come back, and he hadn't come back, and he hadn't come back, here is a servant who, when he sees the master delays his coming, he begins to beat the manservants and the maidservants and eat and drink and be drunk. Verse 46 describes it as not looking and not aware. Didn't your master tell you he's coming back? Oh, yeah, he told me he's coming back. Did you not know he's coming? Yeah, I knew he's coming back. But he put his, his coming back off and kept putting it off and delaying and delaying and delaying that I wasn't sure he was coming back for sure. He wasn't ready. Now, those are the illustrations that Jesus gives. He gives five illustrations of being ready and watching. Now, we're not through with the text. Let's talk about the delay. We've looked at the structure. We've looked at the point of the text, the illustrations, five of which are given in the text. Let's talk about the delay. Back to verse 45 and 46. The servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming. He said he's coming back, but he hadn't come back yet. He didn't tell me exactly when he's coming back, but he hadn't come back yet. You know what? I don't think, I'm not sure if he's coming. Or if he is coming, I think it's going to be a while. He's delayed his coming, so I'm going to do what I want to do. But I want you to notice something in every one of those before we go back to verse 45 and 46. 
of the five illustrations, the many illustrations that Jesus gives, they're all different. Girding your waist and trimming your lamp is, a, is two different things. And watching out for the thief and watching for the master to return from the wedding are two different things. But one thing every one of the illustrations had in common was no one knew the time of the coming of their Lord. That's why you gird your waist. That's why you trim the lamp. That's why you watch for your master. That's why you watch out for the thief. And that's why you are the faithful servant. No one knew the time when they were going to have to give an account. Now the Lord's delay and not knowing the time can produce different results. And I see that right here in verse 45 and 46. Back to verse 45, verse 42. There is a faithful and wise servant. There is an unwise servant also. The master delayed for the coming of them both. That's important to know. And that delay and not knowing exactly when he come can produce different results. For the believer, it might involve anticipation and excitement and expectation. And thus he constantly stays in readiness. You recognize, you know what? He's been gone longer than I thought he would be, which means we're getting closer to his coming back. That may be his attitude. So the longer the master delays, the, the more readiness he begins to have in his heart, thinking, I want to be ready. On the other side, there are many that don't take it very serious, and so they live pretty much as they wish. And we see that in verse 45. My master's delaying his coming. He beats his servants. He beats the maidservants. He eats and he drinks and he gets drunk. He doesn't care because his master has delayed. He's not doing his task. That's the delay. Now, this is what we've been driving for right here is the contrast. We've said everything thus far to get to this. There's a contrast. I've seen the setting, the structure, the point, the illustrations, the delay. What's the contrast in Luke 12? Let's go back to verse 36. On the one side of the one who is watching, here are some of the descriptions that are given of the watching. Let's go back and you might underline. Look at verse 36. Be like the men who wait for their master. The idea of waiting is not that, okay, they're just sitting over here. The one who's sleeping, not prepared, is also waiting. In the sense, what else can they do? That's not the point. The point is they're waiting in the sense they're anticipating and they're fully ready for his coming. We're waiting. If you were waiting to, uh, if I came to your house and I saw you out on the front porch and I said, what are you doing? You, well, I'm waiting for a relative to come I hadn't seen in 20 years. Well, what are you doing out here on the porch? Well, the reason I'm out here on the porch is I'm hoping to get the first glimpse of them coming down the drive. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready. I'm dressed. I've got food prepared. I'm ready for them to come. You are waiting in that sense. You'd probably not describe yourself as waiting if I came to your house and, and I woke you out of bed and obviously the house is not prepared for company and you don't have any food in the house and you say, I'm waiting. I'm, 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 they may just drive up any minute. You're not very much waiting on them. You're waiting in the sense of waiting with anticipation. You're ready for them to come. Look at verse 37. The word watching. Here's the waiting, the watching. There's another word at verse 40. You also be ready. These words are synonymous, at least in this context. And then verse 42 and 43, he's a faithful steward. 
So when Jesus is driving this point of watchfulness, he's talking about waiting and watching, being ready and being like the faithful steward is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Now here's the contrast. Verse 45 talks about a servant who interpreted a delay as being no danger. If he was assured the master's coming back right now, immediately, he'll be here within, within five minutes, there's danger of me doing the things I'm doing. But there is no danger because he's delayed. So he interprets delay as there is no danger. More about that in a moment. Verse 46. Here are two phrase, phrases. That he was not looking for him. He was not looking for him. Verse 46. He comes when he is not aware. You're not looking for him. Not aware. Now verse 47. Verse 47. Here's another phrase describes the other side. That he knew his master's will and did not prepare himself. He knew what he should do, but he didn't do what he should. He knew what he's supposed to, but he didn't do what he was supposed to. He knew, but he didn't prepare. Now notice the contrast of waiting and watching and being ready in a faithful steward versus there is no danger because of the delay. I'm not looking. I'm not aware. I'm not making preparation even though I know. Here's the contrast in Luke chapter 12. There's a contrast between living for eternity and living for the moment. That contrast is found in 35 to 48. But it's also hinted at as we go back to verses 12 to 24 or 34. And we'll come to that a little bit later. Now, I know the contrast of Luke 12. There's a difference in watching and not looking. So now let's raise the question, are you watching? With, with Luke chapter 12 in mind, and you see the better picture and the overview picture, uh, could you describe yourself, you know what, I'm watching for the second coming. Are you watching? Let's talk about the reasons for watching. Why do we need to watch? For the second coming. Well, let's go back to verse 40. Because the Lord will come and we don't expect. The text says. The Lord's going to come when you least expect. Son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Parallel in principle. Not parallel text. But parallel in principle. Matthew chapter 24. Remember two subjects are dealt with there. The destruction of Jerusalem. And then he talks about the end of time. Look at verse 42 and 43. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Watch, because you don't know. Why, why do I need to watch? Because you don't know when the Lord's coming. He may come today, may come tomorrow, may come a hundred years from now. A thousand years, I don't know. Look at verse 43. But know this, that if the master had known at what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Same illustration given over in Luke 12. Go to chapter 25, verse 13. This is following the story of the, the foolish and wise virgins. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Why do I need to watch? I need to watch because we don't know when. Now, what's the meaning of watching? We hinted at that a moment ago, but let's go back to the context. Well, okay, you say, I know I need to watch. But what does it mean to watch? Let's look at the context. It means to be ready. That was the wording of verse 35. Didn't use the word ready. But your loins girded or your waist girded, your lamps prepared, that's readiness. Verse 40 says, here's what I mean by that. You also be ready. To watch means you're ready. 
It means, verse 35, to be prepared. Again, the loins being girded, your waist being girded, you're prepared to take off and run. It's not, well, wait a minute, let me get this, this garment up and get it girded, and then I'm, no, you're ready now to go running. Let me get my lap trimmed, and I'll see if I can get some oil, and let's go, no, you, you ready. You have it burning now. You're ready. Look at verse 38. Realizing the Lord could come in any moment, He may come in the second or the third watch. And then the second and the third watch for the Jews, it might have passed 9 o'clock in the evening, and now it's 10, now it's 11, it's midnight. Surely He won't come, but you know what? He could come at 1 or 2 or 3 in the morning, as per this illustration. He's well aware. That's part of watching. That's part of this idea of watching is being well aware He could come at any time, and furthermore, being alerted to our own condition. That seems to be Peter's question. Isn't it interesting how Peter words his question? When the Lord says, you need to be ready for my coming, are you talking only to us? Or are you included other people? Who are you talking to? Makes you wonder if Peter's not thinking about his own. Are you implying maybe we're not ready and maybe, I'm, maybe I need to think whether or not I'm ready? And furthermore, look at verses 46 to 48, being aware of the consequence. In the context where Jesus is saying, you need to be ready he spells out consequences. If, if the master comes back and you're not ready, you're going to suffer. If the master comes back and you're ready, you're going to be blessed. Being ready, being well aware of the consequences. Now here, perhaps, is the most beneficial portion of our study. How do I watch? How do I watch? You say, I, I, I like to think I'm a, wa I'm a watcher and I'm watching for the second coming. How do you watch? Well, let's begin to listen to things. Number one, you watch by obeying the gospel. If, if watching means being ready and I haven't obeyed the gospel, then I'm not ready. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 talks about obeying the gospel in light of the second coming. To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Those who don't obey are going to be punished. So you say, I, I want to watch. Well, watching involves just obeying the gospel. Becoming a Christian. Secondly, worshiping faithfully. You say, I want to watch for the second coming. I believe the Lord's coming back, but I'm not half faithful in worship. I come about half the services or less. We, we get tired sometimes of quoting Hebrews 10.25 or hearing it quoted, but it's interesting not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together is in the context with the very next verse, if we sin willfully after we received the knowledge of the truth. It has to do with being ready. Faithfully worshiping has to do with being ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Turn there quickly with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians 16. And in verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Watching is closely connected with being steadfast and standing fast. Faithfulness to the Lord. What else can I do to be watching? I can be praying continually. Look at Luke chapter 21. Prayer and watching are connected together all through the New Testament. Here's some sampling of that. Look at Luke chapter 21 and in verse 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you be counted worthy to escape these things. That was in the context of the destruction of Jerusalem. What I want you to see is watching and praying are connected with each other. If we're not praying, we're not watching. If we're watching, we're a praying people. 
Let's notice a couple of other passages. Ephesians chapter 6. Notice in Ephesians 6, this is in the fight against Satan and and uh, arming ourselves to fight against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, being watchful to this end. You see, when I put on prayer as part of my armor, that's part of being watchful. One more verse along that line. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm just trying to connect prayer and watching. If your prayer life is suffering, your watchfulness is suffering. If you're watching, your prayer life should be well alive and alert. Look at verse verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Part of watchfulness, praying. Are you praying diligently? Resisting temptation. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 26. He connected watchfulness, being a watcher, and resisting temptation. Look at Matthew 26 and verse 41. Matthew 26 and in verse 41. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. So I won't avoid the temptation. I need to be watchful, but connected with that, I need to be praying about that temptation. The focus on the spiritual over the material. Now this is interesting because in the context, let's go back to Luke 12, Jesus had just been talking about, don't worry about your life, what you should eat, what you should drink, what you put on. That whole context of worrying. And then the next thing he talks about, having concluded that, is let your waist be girded in your lamps, burning. He shifts the emphasis from worrying about the present to focusing on the future. Shifts from material to the spiritual. So if my focal point is primarily on the material, I'm not watching. Having godly families. Being a a godly family member. In other words, I may not can control what everyone else in the family does, but I can be the husband I ought to be. I can be the father I ought to be. You can be the wife and the mother you ought to be. You can be the child you ought to be. That's part of being ready is being a godly family member. It hinders your prayers if you're not, verse 7. And then furthermore, let's go back to the context of Luke chapter 12, working in the service. Look at verse 35. Verse 30, verse, uh, verse 43 rather, is the verse I'm interested in. Blessed is that servant whom the master when he uh, will find so doing when he comes. So doing what? He's a faithful steward. He's doing what he's supposed to do. So what's the idea? The idea is working in the service of the Lord. That's part of this watchfulness. So how do I watch? I'm obeying the gospel, worshiping faithfully, praying diligently, resisting temptation, the spiritual over the material, being godly in the family, working in service. Let me ask another question. Are you watching? Here's another question. Are you not looking? Let's go back to our text in Luke chapter 12. Look at verse 46. That he'll come on a day when he was not looking for him. Now let's look at three things in the context about not looking. What's involved in not looking? Go to verse 47. Here's one who knows and yet they ignore. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do accordingly. Here's one who knew, but yet he ignored. You see, knowledge alone doesn't suffice. You say, well, I know know what I'm supposed to do. I I, I know the will of God. I know the Bible. I know what God said. Knowledge doesn't suffice within itself. It's easy 
to ignore what we know to be the truth. We saw that in Romans 10 and 3. They ignored God's righteousness and went about to establish their own. So let me ask you, do you know that you should be living different than what you are? Are you looking at yourself and you say, oh, I know I need to be living different than what I am. Then you know and you're ignoring. Do you know that some of your actions are wrong? Do you know, I, I know that what I'm doing, I know that this isn't right, but I'm doing it anyway. You know and are not preparing. Secondly, what's involved in not looking? Look at verse 45. Assuming the delay means plenty of time. Let's go back to verse 45. But if that servant says in his heart, my master's delaying his coming and begins to beat his men servants and maidservants. I don't gather from that that he's thinking in his mind, the master has delayed. I know he could come at any moment. And I really don't care if he comes back and catches me beating the servants. He knows he's going to be in trouble for doing that. So how did he interpret the delay? He interprets the delay as I have plenty of time to get everything right. I'll beat them, I'll get drunk, and then I'll have everything ready when the master returns because he's delayed, his, he's delayed his coming. That's an assumption that many people make. Go back to verse 40. The Lord is going to come when we don't expect. We're going to assume he's going to be even longer. Well, he didn't, hasn't come yet. It's been 2,000 years, so it, it, it's, he's probably not going to come this year. He's probably not going to come next year. probably not going to come in my lifetime. And we assume... We have plenty of time. Do you assume the second coming is a long way off? Is that an assumption you've made that I know he's coming and I know he said he's coming, but I'm just assuming it's going to be not in my lifetime. It's going to be a long way off. I probably won't see it happen in my lifetime. So I've got plenty of time. Do you assume that you will not face judgment soon? You see, when we assume the Lord's not coming soon, Life begins to deteriorate because we quit looking for the Lord and we quit loving His servants, as is the case in Luke chapter 12. Here's the third and final thing. And that is, what does it mean you're not looking? We're not focused on the danger or we're not focused on what is important. Verse 46. Verse 46 says, He was not looking for Him and the hour when He was not aware. It's an interesting phrase. The master comes back when the servant was not aware. He's not aware that he could come at any time. Or he may have been told that. But he's not aware in the sense he's not thinking about that. He's not aware of the danger that he's in. He's not aware that preparation should have already been made. Are you not aware of the second coming of the Lord? He's, oh yeah, I, I remember him telling us that... The, I mean, are, are you not focusing on it to where you're not aware that it could happen at any time? You're not thinking that it could happen at any time. You're not aware of the danger you may be in, and you're not aware that preparation should have already been made. Not next year, not next week, but it should have already been made. And so I ask again, are you watching or not looking? Jesus points a contrast in Luke chapter 12. Which fits you? Are you looking for the second coming? Are you watching for the second coming? Or is it that you're just not looking for the second coming? You're not looking for the Lord to come. It may be there's one or more president who's not a Christian, who's not a child of God. Would you watch for the second coming 
and watch by coming to the Lord in obedience? Would you come believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you repent of your sins, acknowledge your faith in Christ, and be buried in the waters of baptism for the remission of your sins? It may be there's an erring child of God who's not watching because you're continuing in sin. Would you make correction even this morning? If you're subject in any way, would you come while together we stand and sing?